Hey, Rockbridge, let me welcome you all of our locations, all of our six physical locations, our campuses, and also those of you that are watching online. A lot of folks uh, continue to engage with us online. So however you're here, we are glad that you're here. We want you to know and believe that you're here for a reason. Hey, this, where we were last week, uh, we uh, see a pattern in Scripture of God's people occasionally calling themselves to a sacred assembly, and so that is what we are about this season in January as we kick off a new year. And so listen, there's some incredible resources, robberies.cc slash sacred. I'll encourage you even right now, I know this doesn't sound like we're in church, but you can get out your cell phone and you can text right now sacred, the word sacred to 888-744-0761. Here's what's going to happen as we build till ne toward next weekend and our sacred assembly at Rockbridge. And as we build in this season that we've called it of seeking the Lord is uh, starting on Monday, you will receive via this text channel a daily devotional and you will also receive a prayer emphasis. So we are all as a church doing the same devotionals uh, and we are all as a church will be unifying together, praying the same prayer points because we are in this together. We are one church seeking the Lord while he can be found. And, and all of this comes out of what we said last week that, hey, we want to start 2024 different. We, we, we recognize the opportunity of a new year, freshness, fresh start, but we also recognize that a lot of us don't do our resolutions, about 6 to 9% of people, and so we looked at this starting different, and, and we looked at how King Hezekiah started his reign differently than that of his evil father, Ahaz. And so this week, what we're going to do, and again, this is all preparation. If you missed last week, you can watch it online. But this is all building towards something. And so what we're going to look at this week is, okay, we are going to seek the Lord. We're going to intentionally seek the Lord. And I want to share from God's Word four ingredients that we need to have to seek the Lord. A very, very practical way to look at this message is when you arrive next weekend for Sacred Assembly... We want these ingredients to be present in us individually, and then we want these ingredients to be present in us corporately. And so we are preparing ourselves for this. I think sometimes we come to church or to worship passively. Well, I wonder what we're going to sing today. Well, I wonder if Matt's going to preach anything that applies to my life tomorrow morning. And we want to come to corporate worship actively, ready, prepared to seek the Lord. Second Chronicles, we'll continue journeying with Hezekiah. We ended last week with this invitation that Hezekiah gave. My sons, don't be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to serve him, and to be his ministers and burners of incense. And we said this invitation is open to all people now because of the blood of Jesus and in the new covenant. We are the folks who can enter God's presence. We are the ones who serve God and act as his ministers. And then this group of people, they stand up. That's where we are in verse 12. They stood up. And here, here's the question. What did the Levites stand up for? See, I, I think when we talk about spirituality and religion, we, 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 we talk about what we need to do. We, we talk about, hey, we need to be in church more. We need to pray more. We need to sin less. We need to drink less, cuss less, whatever your less is, right? Well, we talk about, hey, we need to be in the Bible. We need to read the Bible. Maybe we need to do a little more with the church. Maybe we need to serve. But what did the Levites really stand up for? And I think it's so important that we all get this. 
I really think there's a lot of us who have boiled our Christianity or our faith or our religion down to a few spiritual acts a few times a week or a few times a year, and, and that's it. Let's understand what these guys stood up for. So when we come here next week and as we prepare with these devotionals and we prepare with uh, these daily points of prayer emphasis, we know what we're standing up for. So if we go to the very, very end of, the, of this chapter, as Hezekiah leads his people through this, we're going to see some things. Then King Hezekiah and the officials told the Levites to sing praise to the Lord in the words of David and the seer Asaph. That means they're singing psalms. So they sang praises with rejoicing, and they knelt low in humility, and they worshiped. They gave God worth. Hezekiah concluded, now you are consecrated to the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings to the Lord's temple. So the congregation, that's where we're going, brought sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings, and all these with willing hearts, they brought burnt offerings. The burnt offerings were abundant along with the fat of the fellowship offerings and with the drink offerings for the burnt offerings. So the service of the Lord's temple was established. And then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over how God had prepared the people for it had come about suddenly. Why did the Levites stand up? Why do we come to church? Why do we read our Bibles? Why do we pray our prayers? Why do we pursue obedience? Why do we do these things? The Levites stood up for happiness and awe. There was joy to be found in the Lord. It was a lost joy buried in the sinfulness and the culture of the evil king Ahaz. But they stood up for happiness and awe in the Lord. Please do not believe the satanic lie that God's commands are burdensome. Do not believe the lie that God is against your happiness. Because here's the truth. We are all hardwired by God to seek awe and to seek happiness. It's why people make journeys to Niagara Falls. To, right? It's why we watch an amazing musical performance or go see an incredible piece of art. Oh, it's why we are wired to find happiness, to seek happiness, to pursue happiness. We get in trouble. Why do we get in trouble? It's where we look for those things. And so where we look for happiness, where we look for happiness, right, is going to shape the direction of our lives. So when the Levites stand up, they're standing up to resume, refine their joy in the Lord, their happiness in the Lord. They've pursued it in everything but Him for a season, <coughs> but now they're coming back to Him. So when we call ourselves to a sacred assembly, we are not calling ourselves to do some religious rituals and then feel better about ourselves. We are not calling ourselves to just a checklist of to-do-isms to say we're religious or at least you know, to feel better and alleviate some guilt. We are saying there is happiness to be found in the Lord and we are pursuing him for the satisfaction of our souls. So the first ingredient that needs to be present when we seek the Lord, when we come to church next weekend for the sacred assembly, is we got to know the goal. And the goal is joy or happiness and awe in the supremacy of God 
And that word supremacy has to mean something to us, Rockbridge Community Church. That means the joy that we find in God is better and beyond the joy that we find in the world, in materialism, in politics, in sports, in sex, in money, and you name it. There is supremacy in the Lord, and we're going to pursue joy for him. See, here's where we get, get, where we get off track in seeking the Lord, Right? It wasn't that the Levites or the people of Israel weren't believers. They were believers. See, a lot of us, we come to church or we open our Bibles or we do religious, spiritual, Christian things, and we're believers. But we're taking it a step further. We have to now become seekers of a holy God. And then we come as enjoyers. God wants us to find joy in Him. God wants us to stand in awe of Him and be happy in Him. So when we come to the Lord, when we seek the Lord, when I read the Bible, when I pray prayers by myself, when I participate in small group, when I come here next weekend, do not only come as a believer, come as a seeker, come as an enjoyer. I am here to meet with God and find joy in the Lord. Now, what's the problem, though? Why is this quest to find joy in God so hard? And why do we so easily slip toward joy in lesser things, but then ask a supreme God to help us find joy in things other than himself? A couple of problems. The first is this. We emphasize habits before we hit the heart. What I mean by that is, oh, get back in church. And that's, fun. that's great. Hey, get in your Bible. That's great. Hey, you need to pray more. That's great. Hey, you gotta, you got to have to cut some things out in your life. That's all great. But we don't ever touch the heart. So I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine you're in a room. And you walk into this room, <clears throat> and there's a dancer. And, and, and they're moving with just such grace and elegance and beauty and rhythm. And it's just incredible to watch them dance. And, and you can't hear the music. And as you get closer, you see that the dancer has some earbuds in. And so they're listening to a song. And that song is bringing out this, this, this movement, this elegance, this beauty in the dance. And as you're watching them dance, another person comes in, and they start to dance. And they're clunky and goofy, and, just, and, and it's just kind of weird, because they can't hear the music. We have to hear the music of the glory and the supremacy of God. It's not enough, hey, come to church. Hey, read your Bible. We have to hear the music of this God we're seeking. Let me show you how Paul led one of his churches in Colossians to hear the music. He, start, he tells them how he's praying. He says, I want you to be strengthened with power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. There it is, joy. Now look, jo you can have joy even in a season that requires endurance. But you've got to turn up the music. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share <clears throat> in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us, the music's playing now. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom 
of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the music is turning up. And that's what Paul's doing. The music is turning up. He's not saying read your Bible more, get in church more. He's giving them the music so that when they read the the word of God, when they hear the word of God, when they open their Bibles, when they come to worship service, they can dance because they hear the music. Here's the music. It's getting loud now. Here it is. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, or have first place, or some translations say have the supremacy. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. When we come to church, we are coming to seek him. Do you hear the music? When I open my Bible, I am not opening it and say, oh, read my Bible today. I am opening it to meet this God-man and hear the music of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. Come to church, do these devotionals, pray these prayers, but hear the music of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Second problem, serious joy. See, most of us are serious about our joy. We just don't think joy ought to be serious. But I think we've had enough, many of us, of superficial joy that lasts about two hours, a Friday night, or a season. And I think we're hungry in this world today for serious, deep, abiding, lasting, steadfast joy. And what God offers us is joy, but it's serious joy which means we can't trivialize it. We can't be light about it. We can't be cavalier about it. We said it last week. It's the path of consecration, that the path is rigorous because the goal is magnificent. Let's look at some serious joy in the Word of God. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. That's serious. Hey, I'm going to give up everything I have. And it's joyous because I have heard the music and I have the treasure of Jesus. That's powerful, right? That's powerful. But most of us, what do we want? We want microwavable. We want, Matt, Matt, give me some cool cliche that I can like put on my lock screen and say, wow, that was a great sermon. Or we want a roller coaster ride. Or we want a good national championship or a good Super Bowl. Wow, that's great. God's into serious joy. Let's look at some more serious joy. Let's look at Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see the music? Do you hear the music? So why did Jesus die? Because he loved us. Fair enough. 
Why did Jesus die? Obedience to the Father. Fair enough. All those things are true. Why did Jesus die? So we could have eternal life. Yes. Why did Jesus die? To pay the debt for our sins. Yes. Why did Jesus die? For the joy set before him. Jesus died for his own joy and happiness to be maximized in the reward that the Father would give him. And it took him to the cross of Calvary. That's serious joy. We're hungry for serious joy. The second, the third problem is the drift of the age. That every culture has an age, has a drift, has a tendency. And, and I just want us to understand the age that we live in. Jesus talked about it when he talks about the end of time. So we're talking about, you know, Jesus coming back and when's that going to happen. But I want you to hear what Jesus says. He says, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And here it is, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached to the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Let's zero in on the love of many will grow cold. Here's what's going on. And, and, and Jesus says it'll happen. And I, I want you to imagine a, a, a glacier. And glaciers are slow moving, but they're moving nonetheless. And glaciers are cold, right, by definition. So there is a slow-moving glacier going over all of this culture and all of the age where the love of people, the first love of Jesus, the love, the allegiance, the first importance of the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus grows cold. And we become apathetic, we become indifferent, and we become rebels and tra traitors and sinners and adulterers against Jesus Christ. The love of many will grow cold. That is going to happen because God has said it's going to happen. But what we have to realize is there is nothing in this word that says the love of Rockbridge has to grow cold. The love of Matt Evans has to grow cold. Your love, your love has to grow cold. There is nothing that, that says that has to happen. And so when we say we're going to seek the Lord, we are in a sense saying this will not happen to my heart. This will not happen to my church. This will not happen to my family. This might not happen to my city, my hometown. Our love won't grow cold. So when Hezekiah stands up and becomes the king first year, first month, he says, it happened to my dad, but not on my watch. So I'm coming to seek the Lord. It's serious. It goes against the slow-moving glacier. But what I invite us to do to our own hearts this week through our prayers and devotionals, and certainly next weekend when we gather together, let's take a blowtorch toward the glacier that might be creeping in on our heart, our cities, and our community. Let, let's have a worship service next week where there is like a mighty fire burning in this place. And we all come with our little torches and we're going to stick them in the fire and let them get lit. And then we'll go back out into the world and show people first love for Jesus. Show people that we will seek first the kingdom. Show people that the gospel of Jesus is the music every soul needs to hear. That's worship. That's church. Church is not, oh, what time are we going to get out so I can beat everybody to Cracker Barrel? It's fire. It's the Lord if you hear the music. It's the Lord if you hear the music. Hezekiah hears the music. The Levites stand up because they hear the music. So what do they do? They gathered their brothers together and consecrated themselves. 
They put it all on the table. Wallet, calendar, sin, idolatry, commission, omission. They put it all on the table. They consecrated themselves, and they went according to the king's command by the words of the Lord to cleanse the temple. The priests went to the entrance of the Lord's temple to cleanse it. And they took all the unclean things they found in the Lord's sanctuary to the courtyard of the Lord's temple. Then the Levites received them and took them outside of the Kindron Valley. So they're just kind of getting rid of the junk. They began the consecration on the first day of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the portico of the Lord's temple. That's how bad it was. It took them eight days. They consecrated the Lord's temple for eight days. And then on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. 16 days. This is not microwavable. And it's serious business, but there's serious joy on the other side of it. You got to see that. Hear the music. So the second ingredient that has to be present as we seek the Lord is we have to get empty so God can fill us. God couldn't be present in the temple because there was too much junk, too many things crowding out number one, and God won't compete because he's number one. How many things can be first? One. Who gets that? Jesus. Hear the music. But the beautiful thing is when we understand God filling us when we empty ourselves is that's joyful, right? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. There it is. There's our word again. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So here's the question just to ask every heart listening to me this weekend at Rockbridge Community Church. Are we living in the fullest enjoyment of God? And some of you, I didn't, I didn't know I was supposed to enjoy God. I knew I was supposed to believe in God and maybe obey God when I feel like it or every now and then or if it's convenient. I didn't know I was supposed to enjoy God. Oh, yeah. Anything less than enjoying God doesn't bring glory to God. So are we living in the fullest enjoyment of God? And have we said yes? Let's say this question another way. Have we said yes to all of God's yes to us in Christ? Remember last week we ended and the invitation was come, come to me, come, draw near while, to get the living water. Have we said yes to all of God's yes to us in Christ? No, maybe or not now. Have we said yes? But to say yes means we got to say no to some things and empty so God can fill. See, here, here's the process of worship, and, and this is so critical, because I'm praying that this sacred assembly changes the way we worship every week, not just one weekend, right? Here's the process. It, it's the process of dis, displacement of self and replacement with God. So let's look at it this way. Sometimes we can't hear the music because all we hear is me, myself, and I. Sometimes we can't hear the music because we haven't gotten off the throne of our own little kingdom. So when we walk into church service, or we open the Word of God, or we pray prayers, or we do devotionals, or we do small group, we're all, it's just me, myself, and I. Because listen, you go out into the week, and you got to do your deal. And, and you and I, we gradually drift back to the kingdom of me. So when we come into corporate worship, sometimes the reason we don't hear the music is because we just walk in and start singing, or we just walk in, and oh, here, Matt said, let's pray, or oh, the, the worship leader says, hey, I'm going to read some scripture, and we say all these things, and the music, the music, the music, but all we hear, we've got the earbuds of self in. So worship, to be worship, we have to displace the self, get self out of the way, and replace with God. So what you see happening 
in 2 Chronicles is it takes them 16 days to get all the self, the stuff, and the sin out of the temple so God's presence can come in. So here, listen, we have to understand this. So when you, I'm going to ask you, next week, arrive at church early. And listen, we're going to minimize the fellowship next week. We, we believe in fellowship. But we want to come in and begin the process before the first note plays or the first words are spoken of displacing me, myself, and I so we can replace it with God Almighty when we hear them. And so we hear the music. Okay, so displacement and replacement. Now, as part of this process, we have to be willing to look back. I, I know there's a great <coughs> tendency in a new year or a new season where we just want to be like, man, I'm just ready for a fresh start. We'll move ahead. What was done is done. Bygones be bygones. Man, I just need a fresh start. That, and that's the kind of the appeal of fresh starts, right? That's kind of the appeal of, of a new year, right? But listen, as Christians, as Christ followers, we have to look back because, listen, we all know this. Our greatest thing, our greatest problem is sin. And sin has to be dealt with. Sin has to be acknowledged, confessed, and repented of so we can then move forward. So that, that Hezekiah knew he can't just say, hey, let's start worshiping again. They got to get 16 days worth of junk out of the temple. We got to get the junk out of our hearts so we have to look back and find what is in God's way. So I want you to look at how this looks in the life of the Apostle Paul. He says some amazing things. You'll hear the music as we read this. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. His resume, his pedigree, everything. Christ is superior. He hears the music. The supremacy of Jesus. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So what is he saying? Everything I've done, everything I have, I have now subordinated it, subordinated it, demoted it, gotten rid of it, whatever, because, because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord. He's the first, and what else can be first? So he is reprioritized, realigned, and reordered. He's looked back and said, not anymore. He's looked back and said, it's getting out. We're cleaning it out. So because of him, <clears throat> I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung. That's the ranking he gives those things. So that I may gain Christ. He hears the music. He sees the supremacy of Jesus and be found in him. Not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect. Let me say that another time. Not that I've reached the goal or I'm already perfect. We are not asking anybody to come here next weekend or any weekend perfect. We're just saying come and seek the Lord to enjoy the Lord. Hear the music. But I make every effort. That's serious, right? That's not passive. That's not, well, eh. I wish we'd have heard another song this weekend. Uh, eh, eh, that sermon was okay. Make every effort. So it's not just on me and, the, and the, the band with the microphones. I make every effort to take hold of it, the prize, because, he says, I have been taken hold of by Christ. Brothers and sisters, I haven't arrived. I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Now, has he forgotten that he was a murderer, a blasphemer, 
Has he forgotten his pedigree that he was at the top of the social ladder? He hasn't forgotten it. He's just said it, it's underneath Jesus. And compared to Jesus, it's dung. And now, what does he do? I look forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize. He hears the music. Promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. He hears the music. He looks back and says, no more. Jesus is first. And so the other part of the process is confession and repentance. We, ha we have to, what stands in the way? What has built up? 16 days of removal. Not microwavable. So what I want to ask us to do, church, and there's not going to be a slide for this. I want us to move into a time of confession and repentance. And I'm going to read the Ten Commandments. And we'll just pray after that and move forward in the message. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord you God, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have any other gods before me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. And the Lord blessed the Sabbath and declared it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. God, every other, every sin is covered in some capacity by those. I believe some of us right now, we need to look back or look in the mirror and recognize those sins need to be dealt with. They need to be taken out and carried to the Kidron Valley to be burned up and left as rubbish, considered as dung next to the surpassing value of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, may we hear the music of the glory and grace of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. And so, Hezekiah now gets this report. We have cleansed the whole temple of the Lord. The altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the table for the rose of the bread of the presence and all of its utensils 
we have set up and consecrated all the utensils that King Ahaz rejected during his reign when he became unfaithful. They are in front of the altar of the Lord. In other words, Hezekiah, we're ready. What are they ready for? The Lord. I am praying we're ready for God to taste and see that he's good. So Hezekiah gets up early and he gathered the city officials and he goes to the Lord's temple. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. Then he told the descendants of Aaron the priest to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they slaughtered the bulls, and the priests received the blood and splattered it on the altar. They, splat- they slaughtered the rams and splattered the blood on the altar. They slaughtered the lambs and splattered the blood on the altar. Then they brought the goats for the sin offering right into the presence of the king and the congregation who laid their hands on them. The priests slaughtered the goats and put their blood on the altar for a sin offering to make atonement for all Israel. For the king said that the burnt offering and sin offerings were for all of Israel. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of death. Have you ever watched an animal die? This is serious, but it's serious joy. And so the third ingredient that we must have as the people of God is the presence, and I'm using an old school term, of blood earnestness. Earnestness means intensity. Earnestness means zealousness. Earnestness means we're not trivial. Earnestness means it is serious business. We're intense about it. It is blood-bought, right? That we can only come into the presence of God and enjoy Him if blood goes ahead of us to deal with our sinfulness. When we neglect the blood... And this isn't popular. Nobody likes to talk about blood, but it's Christian. When we neglect the blood, we are prone to indifference. Eh. When we neglect the blood, we're tempted to treat God as something light and trivial or occasional. When we neglect the blood, we can even go in contempt for God. Have we ever thought God was not good, God was not loving? Have we ever said, God, why? God, why me? God, why is this happening? We've forgotten the blood of Jesus when we do that. Or we resort to legalism and religion where we say, hey, God, look at me because of I've read my Bible today. Look at me because I've come to church today. When we need to look at Jesus and see what he did on Calvary, hear the music and come in his name and by his blood. I don't know if you've ever been to Pearl Harbor and seen where the USS Arizona, you can see the outline of the ship under the water. It still to this day leaks oil. Nobody goes to Pearl Harbor and sends out a bunch of LOL messages. Nobody goes to Pearl Harbor and can't somewhat have some degree of seriousness about the specialness of being an American. As you're over a a, a cemetery. Nobody can come to church by the blood of this man and not be earnest, intense. To seek him and find your joy and happiness to him, in him. Because if we want to get what God has for us, we have to go through the blood he shed for us. Hezekiah concluded and he says, now you are consecrated to the Lord. And here's the invitation. And this is where we're, where, where, where we're tying a bow. And, and we're going to build, starting on Monday, daily devotionals, daily prayer, sacred assembly next week. Come near. Come near. He's available. He can be found. He can be enjoyed. Come near. 
So the congregation brought their own sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings, and all those with willing hearts brought burnt offerings. Therefore, brother, and then we go and we see how this works out in the New Testament. We have boldness to enter the sanctuary. We don't have to come shy and tepid. We come with holy reverence, but we come with boldness because we come through the blood of Jesus. He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, here it is, let us draw near. Same thing Hezekiah said, same thing we said in Revelation 22 last week. Come, Spirit of, Spirit of God says, come, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promises is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together. This, we're all in this together. This is not individual Christianity because there is no such thing. As some are in the habit of doing, neglecting to gather, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know what day it is? It's the day of Jesus. When the full blowtorch will be taken to that glacier. And everybody will hear the music. And then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over how God had prepared the people. For it had come about suddenly. I want to zero in on that word suddenly. There's a time in the New Testament where this word shows up after the people have gone through the, some time of prayer and preparation. It says in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they, the body of Christ, the believers, were all together, unified in one place. They'd been praying, Acts 1. They'd been preparing, Acts 1. Acts 2, suddenly. You know what happened out of that? God showed up, and the church was born. And we're here 2,000 later, years later, and we're not different. It's the same blood. It's the same Jesus. It's the same promises. It's the same music. It's the same music. So Hezekiah's invitation, don't be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to serve him and to be his ministers. And the Levites stand up. And you know what they do when they're standing up? And this is the fourth ingredient of how to come to church. This is the fourth ingredient of how to seek God. You have to give. We have to give God our unconditional willingness. God, I am willing to give it up. God, I am willing to go through the path of consecration. God, I am willing to sell everything to have the treasure. God, I am willing to look back and repent and deal with this sin and confess this sin to have more. God, I'm willing for 16 days to remove the junk, give God our willingness, and then we let God be God. And this is why, Rockbridge, I am so expectant. I'm so expectant because, listen, here, here, here it is. When the invitation of God's come to me, is received with the now of our obedience, we can expect the suddenly of God's graciousness. That is where I believe many people in our country, in our community, and most especially within Rockbridge Community Church are right now. I believe over the next five to seven days as we pray the same prayer, engage in the same Word of God study through devotionals, I believe 
God is going to speak to us. I believe people are going to hear the come to me invitation and give God the now of obedience. If obedience is to repent, we repent. If obedience is to pray, we pray. If obedience is to move forward in the word of God, we do so because we hear the music. And then we can expect the suddenly of God's graciousness. So Rockbridge, let's unite. Let's hear the invitation. Because here's the, here's the truth. Hezekiah then sends an invitation to the whole nation of Israel. And some of the country people, you know what they do? They mock it. They, they laugh at it. But some hear it. And they come with the now of obedience to experience the suddenly of his graciousness. Would you pray with me? Holy God, help us hear the music of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Firstborn from the dead, head of the body, king of kings, Lord of lords. So God, as we hear that music, we are going to open your word. We are going to pray. We will move toward a fast in a few weeks. We want to seek you for who you are with seriousness, with blood earnestness, with unconditional willingness. Because God, what we want is you. Lord God, as we depart here in a few moments, keep us fixated on you. Do not let the glacier move anymore against in our hearts. May we take that torch and melt that ice and empty ourselves of anything that stands in your way so you may fill us afresh because in your presence is fullness of joy in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit we pray amen